0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast,
1: where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And Michael, we have a really interesting question, and I don't know if it's directed at you and I or pastors in general. (laughs) I didn't even consider that (laughs) until right now. That's really funny. So here's our question. Why
0: are you doing this? (laughs) Yes, why are you doing this? And
1: (laughs) why does God do this? Yeah. And the question is very, very straightforward. Why are imperfect people used to depict a perfect God? Yeah, let me— Clearly, you and I are imperfect, and all (laughs) pastors are. Yeah,
0: well, let's just state the most obvious thing on the table here, which is, who else is going to do it? Yeah,
1: and, <laughs> and what? Where is there a perfect person? Right, there's only been one.
0: Yeah. I think there's a difference between what Jesus did, which is he's God personified. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the incarnation of God, the influshing of God. That's right. Jesus depicted God. We shadow God. There's mm-hmm. a difference in this. There
1: is a huge difference. Right.
0: The shadow is different than the substance. And the shadow is always weaker than the substance. It's always diffused. And the farther away you get from the substance, the more difficult it is to place... What the substance is. But shadows are really important. In scripture, you have topology and and shadows. There are things that point to something, but they are not the thing. They're
1: not the real thing. They
0: resemble an aspect of the thing, but not the totality of the thing. So as we say this, like uh, here's a great example, a dove uh, represents the Holy Spirit, and that does not represent the Holy Spirit in totality, but just an aspect of That's the right. Holy Spirit. Fire represents the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not consume everything it touches, you know? <laughs> right. um, in judgment, it does, but uh, the Holy Spirit is also uh, an encourager and a builder, and uh, sometimes the refinement is through fire, and sometimes it's through chiseling, you know? Yeah. And and so uh, the whole point of a shadow or a type is that it points to something, but it's always inferior. It's always one sliver of the thing. Mm-hmm. So you have the family. The family is a tangible, tactile picture of Christ in the church. Yes. But it's not all of Christ. Mm-hmm. So as a husband, I don't represent the providence of Christ. <laughs> I represent <laughs> the sacrificial love of Christ. That, right. you know, I'm representing a sliver of who he is, not the totality of who he is. The most obvious answer was is that there's no one else to do it. But the I think the real answer that we're getting down to is that Nobody should ever bear on their on, on their shoulders the burden to
1: depict God. Even try to depict any fullness of God. Right. This is learn. how
0: God loves. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so bad. You know, <laughs> like I am giving you a glimpse, a foretaste. You know, it's like when you look at a picture on, on a menu of like a piece of like, I love bread pudding, you know, and my, I start salivating. That's all it is. It's an arrow that yeah. points to the substance, you know? And what I want to do is give you just a sliver of the sacrificial love of Christ so that you salivate for it. You, you long after it. You, mm-hmm. you know, metaphorically mm-hmm. in terms of the bread pudding thing. I'm really hungry. <laughs>
1: hungry. Yeah. Holy moly, I just got
0: hungry. Okay. the um, do you bread pudding by chance? Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's a big, you know, like large picture of it. But I, I want to release this person from that burden. On the other hand. Uh, as much as I don't want to put the burden on somebody to depict God in totality, what we can do is massively slander God. Oh yeah, through our sin. Yep. So as a father, I am supposed to reflect a sliver of the nature of the fatherhood of God, right? Right. And if I abuse my son or daughter, I am not just not representing; I am misrepresenting and sure, slandering. Sure. Sure. What I prefer to do is to tell people: release yourself from the burden of showing people the totality of God, but do not underestimate your ability to slander God. Sure. And so, which is why as a parent, when I don't represent the fatherhood of God well, it is incumbent upon me to apologize Mm -hmm. and to say, here's where God is, here's where I am, and here's the distance. I was wrong. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. But big picture now, like, here's the question. Like, why does he use imperfect people?
1: There's another aspect here that when I hear that, and it just screams of the grace of God. Yeah. That God would take imperfect people, trust him with the earth-shattering greatest message in the world, which is the gospel, and allow them, allow imperfect people to carry his message. And for God to just kind of hands off, I've given you this message, I've given you this responsibility, and this great privilege to carry on my message of hope and purpose for the world, and I'm trusting it with imperfect people. And how much— he wants us to be a part of what his plan is. Yep.
0: Let me get like theological for a moment. The grand agenda of God is to display the glorious nature of his attributes before all of heaven, hell, and humanity. Okay? Good. So here's what God wants to do. God's like, I want you all to see the breadth of my attributes. Mm. So here's a reality. If there were no sin or no fall of Satan or no fall of Adam and Eve, you would never know would be able to display the grace of God, mm-hmm. the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the wrath of God, the justice of God, all things, all these attributes of God are contingent on the existence of sin. Right. It's not surprising if the ultimate agenda of God is to display the vast array of his glorious attributes, and if sin is a requirement that God may step back and say, the greatest good of all is that my glory, every nuance and facet sure. is seen. Yeah. Now, that may not feel good in the moment, but I have to remember, in my sin— what God wants to do is display his glorious attributes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my pain. Only the person who believes that can really get through pain. That's sure. it. Like there's no yeah. other way to do it. When I mean, you understand that like God wants to be glorified in this period. And so we look at the big picture of things and God wants to use imperfect people because you just I'm just going to piggyback off you, what you said. The grace of God is made manifest. The power of God is made clearly seen when imbeciles like us <laughs> yeah. do things and then people get saved. Yeah. Or people grow. That's amazing. It's mind numbingly, whatever. Yeah. And so like even in the, this reality, God could have, he could have chosen perfect people. He could have like set aside a, 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 an aspect of humanity that like never sinned or maybe there's angels. He could he could have like decreed that angels would proclaim the gospel and they would be the messengers of all things good in God. And, and because of our sin, we don't. And he could have done that. Could have done that. But what he decided is that, you know— The best way to get all of my glorious attributes visibly seen before all of heaven and hell and humanity is use imperfect people. Imperfect people. people. And that imperfection reminds them that it was not them. It was me all the time. There you go. I've often wondered. (laughs) Did I have caffeine today? I don't know. Uh, I've often wondered. So there's a, a ministry down south. I mean, I'm talking like enormous teaching ministry. And the funny thing is, I can never remember the guy's name. Okay. Anyways, had multiple affairs, multiple affairs, mm, mm-hmm. years, like thirty years of teaching ministry. Yeah. That just, you know, everywhere. Uh, I think the church was like, I was like over twenty thousand people. Wow. He was in a teaching-heavy uh, denomination, and I remember thinking to myself, "This man has been cheating on his wife with multiple women over decades. Never got caught. Nobody called him on it. Yeah. He had a lot of secret things, or whatever." And the Lord. Bore incredible fruit through this man's ministry. To the point where like every pastor and every preacher has massive sin. Mm. Like when I'm preaching, I don't know all the distance between what I'm saying and who I am. Like (laughs) I I have my blind spots, you know what I mean? But I'm palpably aware of a handful of them, you know? And I'm just like, I gotta say this. And and the last thing the body needs to hear me say is, you know, but I know I'm not good. I mean, sometimes you just gotta preach and let the word of God God stay. They know that I don't think I'm perfect. So There are some things like to be able to preach and teach for 30 years and to have repetitive adulterous relationships. And then when you're caught and you get fired to not repent. Yeah. My question was like, okay, I don't even know if you're saved at this point. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's Mm -hmm. rebellious. You know, if you'd repented, I'd be like, all right, there's the spirit of repentance and you got it, you know? Yeah. And yet the Lord bore more fruit through that guy's ministry that I could even begin than, to quantify. Then
1: other pastors right. who are doing their very best to yeah. exhibit Jesus every day.
0: We know missionaries in Paris, and they are for years, years and years, labor, 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 and the growth is just so stinking slow. You know what I mean? Preaching the gospel. i like, mm-hmm. why doesn't God bear that kind of fruit through their faithfulness over a long period of time in an incredibly difficult, highly Islamic context, sure. you know? And here we go, you know, adulterous pastor— the Lord seems to just explode his influence and whatnot, which made the fall even harder. Sure. You know, I don't know why it's like, this is what Jesus says. The spirit blows. It's like the wind he blows where he wills. Yeah. I will never understand why the Lord bears fruit through whom he does, when he does and how he does. Right. It has been probably one of the greatest quandaries that I've ever experienced in pastoral ministry is wrapping my head around why God bears fruit the way he does. Mm-hmm. And then what it's forced me to do is to ask the question, what is fruit? Yeah, what is fruit? That's another podcast. Oh, yeah. Now you're just yeah. kind of hearing me <laughs> yeah. on Caffeine Ram. Now that was a pasture down south. I won't tell you where, but like uh, I think North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, like yeah, south yeah, yeah. in the south. So we've had in this season in Chicago we've had some pretty challenging circumstances come up and one of the questions that we want to go after is just about Willow Creek and what's yes. been happening there
1: yeah, Willow what are your
0: thoughts on it would be the general question sure. um, I have been asked this no less than 25 times in the last month right that even might be an understatement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as tactfully and helpfully as humanly possible, I say we broach that one the next time and give some people some paradigms and thoughts and biblical perspectives.
1: Well, listeners, please join us when we talk about Willow Creek and what our thoughts are about it.